Wow, Dr. Billy, that is episode 70 in the can, Greece and social skills. What are people going to learn this week? Uh, yeah, there's one thing we don't have in common, which is fondness of this movie. <laughs> Fighting words, Billy. What but, else are they going to learn? But yeah, so, so we went on a lighter topic, like less kind of emotionally heavy, but yep. very practical around one of really important, almost, you know, the second most important part of development through life course for kids from before they're one, spoiler alert, to teenage years and just how some of the specific skills they need to navigate through that successfully. Yeah, and you touched on something really important there, which is the distinction between emotional skills and social skills that this father did not know prior to this episode. So looking forward to uh, people listening to it and asking questions for part two, Billy. So make sure you send through your questions within the two weeks the episode's released because sometimes we get some great questions, but it's often as the uh, topic's passed. So please, when you get the opportunity, don't hesitate to send through a message to us. Everything gets read and we do our best to respond as well but it's a really important part of part two and we love the questions, guys, to send them through, but we hope you enjoy part one. Thanks, guys. Hi, I'm Billy, a developmental paediatrician. And I'm Nick, a developing parent. We're going to use scenes from iconic movies to talk about how we best support our kids. This is Pop Culture Parenting. Hey, don't let your mother smell that beer on your breath. She'll take it out on me. Good morning, Dr. Billy Garvey. How are you? I'm good, Nick. How are you going? I am very excited. I'm very excited for this week and this topic. It's uh, it's a big one for me, but we'll get to that in a minute. How's your week been? Uh, good, good. Really, really busy, but um, but lots of good stuff. I had. Yep. Two weeks ago, I'd yeah, been having a really rough uh, period in clinic, just like, you know, a lot of families and kids really struggling and stuff, mm. but saw some of my faves this week, so I shouldn't oh, yeah. have faves, but they might come up um, <laughs> in what we're going to talk about today, but yeah, so good, good, and um, Charlie's cruising along, like, yeah, the weather's getting better, so it's good, mate. How's your week been? Uh, week's been fine, mate. Um, probably not relevant for a lot of people, but it's it's AFL finals here in Melbourne, and yeah. we are Victorian, and it's uh, it's a good time to be alive. My and team is still going. Yeah, so, you're um, a big pie supporter. Oh, don't say that, Billy. People might switch off this podcast. <laughs> we're not we're not the most liked. Yeah. I don't know why, but uh, yeah. yes. So we'll just be careful. Um, Billy, have you got a Winslow or a Griswold this week? Uh, yeah. Let's start with my Griswold. Let's do it. Hey, don't let your mother smell that beer on your breath. She'll take it out on me. So Victorians will know of uh, Hillsville Sanctuary, but um, we went there and for our out-of-station overseas listeners, beautiful, actually stunning, like the grounds are just beautiful. It's um, native animals kind of um, animal sanctuary, wildlife. You picked up a new sponsor. You're really pumping it up. I know. Well, it is beautiful. (laughs) I know. We should should get sponsors. Um, But, yes, and um, it was... Yeah, so beautiful day, was going out there and I'm trying to like carve out some family time so I was like this will be beautiful and um, rolled out there with the two kids and like I don't have the kind of, you know, celebrity status that you do but I was in a situation where, um, where... So, you know, that I don't know if you've been there before, but they have like, it's kind of open plan, but all the kangaroos are like cruising around and there's just those rope barriers between posts. 
And we're like, I'm, I'm kind of on her a bit, like on Evie, she's bopping around, she's loving it. And I'm like, this is sweet, she's got the hang of this, like you can't, you got to stay on the path. <laughs> and then we get to like halfway through the place, there's an enormous opening and, um, and Evie just like, I don't know why, just ducks under the rope and takes off for the Again, kind of... the pack. plains of the savannah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for the pack of kangaroos. <gasps> and I don't know if you've been in this situation, but you kind of... No. And I, probably, probably 20 people watching because it, it takes off and my voice <laughs> elevates a bit and I've got all these people watching. <laughs> and it's pretty much... You're just getting tested on your negotiation skills because I'm like, can I bring her back verbally? And I'm like, do you know what I mean? Because the I, distance? Well, she's going 10, 15, 20 metres away from me. So, you know, and do you know what? I broke Nick's golden rule. Oh, what's my golden rule? I was not holding the baby. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so for the first, my first decision was not, you know, what to do, it was, is this my role or is it Annalise's? And I looked to my left and Annalise's holding the baby. baby. So I went, <laughs> I'm in here. Trying to negotiate her back as he's like almost completely ignoring me. Um, four staff come into the space, like two in two different pairs coming over who are amazing because she's going near this, these kangaroos and I had to make a call and I, I just bailed and I went over the barrier. And uh, So the staff were closing in too? Yeah, they were getting there before. Because they were like, this is an issue. Yeah, well, they, you know, she was going near a pack of kangaroos and, um, and yeah, are they a gang group? What's the... Mob. Uh, mob, mob, mob of kangaroos. And, um, yeah, and I, so I failed at verbally negotiating her back. <laughs> and so I had to grab her and bring her back. So that was, um, you know, it's one of those funny things. Obviously safety trumps everything. Hold on. But you're so conscious of people watching you that you... <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's worse than a supermarket yeah. story, Billy. <laughs> Billy, but you had plan A. Which is what we like because then yes. there's always plan B, which is it's not a safe, remove them from the environment. And I think a pack of kangaroos or a mob of kangaroos, yeah. Billy, constitutes you breaking out and yeah. doing that. So well done. Thank you. Thank you. So, um, no, but it was very funny. It was just one of those things. As it was happening, I was like, this is probably going to make the podcast. <laughs> so, one way or another. Uh, yeah. And I've got lots of, uh, lots of other examples. But what about you, mate? Do you have a grizzy? You know, I don't. I've, I think wow. I've done grizzies. I think I've done four back-to-back griswolds. <laughs> Yeah. Billy, we've had a good fortnight, so let me go to Carl. I don't object to fun. I love fun. In fact, I'm the grand funk master of fun. <laughs> so I've had a moment, right? Uh, it's a new thing for me as a parent. So I think I have had Griswold. My last Griswold was actually um, dealing with my daughter in the swimming pool that started to recognise she was a really... She mm. wasn't kind of where she thought she was with her swimming. Yeah. And probably wasn't a big deal for her. Well, it was a big deal for her, to be honest, and it was became a big deal for me. And I thought it was really challenging. So just to recap, if you weren't there, so basically my daughter wanted to be in a class with kids her own age, one level up. A lot of COVID, lack of swimming classes from mum and dad taking her. She probably wasn't... She wasn't with her age cohort, but was doing fine. And she said, I want to be in that class. Anyway, we went away and worked on some stuff. And uh, anyway, the week ago, I went to the teacher and said, hey, um, how, do we, how do we move up to the next class? She goes, well, you've got to do an assessment. Mm. And I went, oh, okay. And she goes, we'll come and spot assess you. And I went, oh, okay. All right, so we just carry on. They're like, yeah. Out of nowhere, the following week, Billy was sitting in the, in the pool. Yeah. And out of nowhere, the lady comes up with a clipboard and she says to the teacher, she goes, ask the girl to do this. She asked the girl, my daughter, mm. 
to turn over and do backstroke from one platform to the other wow. without a kickboard, which she's never done before or been asked to do before. And as soon as she asked her, I was like, oh. and we had a kickboard backstroke incident a week before, Billy. Wow. That was truly undoing. It took 10 minutes to get back into class. Anyway. Because it is probably the most, it's the slowest stroke, but also the most disorientating, isn't it? It is, but it's also no hands because they don't do the stroking yet. They just do the kicking. Oh, wow. So it's not easy. And if you, you, yeah. and you can't kick straight. Anyway, a lot of detail here for people who are like, <laughs> mate, get to the end. I'm like, so she launches off the platform and the week before she launched and like did a backflip and went really badly, water up the nose out of the pool. Mm. Kicked off like six to eight metres straight as an arrow from one platform to the other and the woman just goes, all right, next class, go, and just pushed her front to the next platform straight away. And we were just like, so I had to pick up my bag, I had to move <laughs> eight <laughs> metres down, I'm now in the next class. What would you say to the other parents? Beaming. See you suckers. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and they were like, they all looked at me and it was like this moment, I was like, am I going up? And the parents were like, <laughs> so marched across and it was amazing. So yeah, I think wow. for what was a Griswold... A couple yeah, of weeks yeah. earlier, what, four weeks ago now, um, it was amazing. Mm. And I'm not sure, I get, I can see that this is the start of me. I can see how parents become not, <laughs> yeah, yeah, competitive, but mm. really care about it. And I think it, it comes from a place, I don't, I know, I know, like, I'm just new to this, right? Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to be screaming on the <laughs> sidelines. But it comes from a place of, like, you really want for them to do well. Yeah. And I can see how that goes badly on the sidelines of like a soccer game where you over barrack and over support and all those other things. But mm. I've had my first taste of it, Billy. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, it's that sense of success that you want them to have, isn't it? Yeah. And you've worked. And it's beautiful because you picked that to work on it specifically. Yep. Did it together. Now she succeeded. You reinforce it, celebrate it. So yep. it's beautiful. Amazing. Yep. Yeah, so thrilled. But that was my Winslow. Have you got a Winslow? I'm actually going to give my Winslow away. Who <laughs> so, To an amazing school. So I've started doing school talks, which has been um, – I've started doing them again. I've probably done hundreds of them in the, over the last few years. But yep. um, And obviously part of my PhD. But, yeah, I've started doing that again. And very quick note, um, that is one way to engage us. It's really beautiful and complimentary and people reach out and be like, oh, Billy, can we see you in clinic? The podcast is trying to actually make you not need to see us in clinic. Um, and so I'm not trying to drum up business. I'm trying to like, <laughs> do you know what I mean? So, <laughs> you know, it's it's such a long way. Yep. There's only a certain category. But one way is like us coming and talking. Um, and I got to speak with this school and it was just so amazing. Like I, it was right when I was having a really tough time with just like feeling a bit overwhelmed by kids that I was seeing that are really struggling and this beautiful school in a kind of disadvantaged part of um, Australia kind of had this child there and he's he's in grade six. So for overseas listeners, last year of primary school, he's got one term to go. 11 or 12. Yeah, yeah. Really struggling, heaps of trauma, acting out, all this stuff, really. And this school is so amazing that I'm hearing this story and they're telling me about him and everything they're trying to do and they're like, we're really worried. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, totally. And they're like, because we've only got one more term with him. And I was just like, that's so amazing. Like most of the time, this is not a criticism of other schools, but it would be like we've just got to get through this last term. Yep. But it was like we've got, we've only got a few months of window to help. And I was just like, man, how amazing are these guys? Like, That's incredible. Yeah, so it was really beautiful. So shout out to that school because I, I get to meet a lot of schools, a lot of amazing schools, but that one just really stood out. Um, yeah, wow. So, yes, and... 
Shall we transition to... So people might have heard in previous ones that you are a big fan of this certain movie. I have. And um, do you know what? I was almost going to tie it to um, talking about sex. But oh, I really? knew that you were not ready for it. <laughs> we're not doing that. After, um, so I thought we'd go to something light. So go we're going to talk about grease and social skills. Tremendous. I will talk more about social skills, but talk Let's to talk me. Talk to me about Greece because I mean, um... so um, it is tied to like probably one of the fondest memories of my life, like periods of my life. Growing up as a uh, three to five year old, I used to go to kindergarten. This is the early eighties, so like eighty four, mm. eighty five. We. Um, I used to have grease on tape. So before video on demand, and I was the youngest in a big family, I'd come home from kindergarten. That's right, because a lot of your siblings would have been old enough when this came out. Totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they were 14, 13, 12, and 9 or something. So I was mm. like 3 or 4. And it was going back, interesting going back and watching now, it's quite adult in parts. But I mm. used to watch that film from a certain point in time in that film, from Grease Lightning until the end scene. Almost every day. Just that was my video on demand. So if yeah, kids watch yeah. ABC Kids now, I would come home and mum would just give me some time to watch it. I still remember the VCR tape of what it looked like. I still remember the VCR it used to play on. I still remember where the ads were. Yeah, really? So when I was watching it the other night with my partner, I was like, there's a cut there. That's how I used to go to commercial. I have it. It is etched, etched into my brain. Yeah, really. And I've watched it. Probably more than anything else, except for maybe Breakfast Club. But I would say my favourite film, if you had asked me, and I won't say this every – we do 500 episodes of this podcast. You'll never hear me say there's a film I like or is my favourite film more than Grease. Yeah, wow. It is it. That's yeah. it. Grease is the word, mate. And um, <laughs> I just – I love it. I, I love – I don't know. I'm not like big into musicals. I don't go to theatre. But there's just something about it, some of those scenes. It's just part of – it's just part of my um, – yeah, my youth. Yeah, it's it's really interesting, isn't it? Because so I watched it with Annalise. She's never seen it. Yeah. Um, and I I I I almost have a dislike for it. Okay. Um, but I I tried to put that bias aside. And it's funny. One of my dislikes for it is it was always you know that Grease Mega Mix thing. So. It was always at the Frankston 21st century for the few listeners that know our biggest revolving dance floor in the Southern Hemisphere. Um, it was always the song that would come on that was keying everyone needed to leave yep. at the end of this. So yep. I was always like, oh, damn, damn the it. night's over, Grease is on. And so, and I love dancing and all that stuff. So it's, um, it's really interesting for me personally that I have no oh. real positive affinity for this movie, but... On watching it and then doing a lot of background research, okay. I did develop this kind of fondness for it a bit. I don't know, pop culture-wise, I don't know if you know much of the story of Travolta and do you know why this movie, do you know why the 1970s, so this came out 78, do you know why they had such an affinity for the 50s that still resounds today? Yeah, it is funny. They used to do that a bit mm. during that period, the 50s. No. So the reason that it's been just studied culturally so much is that this affinity of like happy days, American graffiti, Greece, was what it was about. It was a, a much Possible. easier, yeah, so it was post-Vietnam. They were kind of harking back to an easier time. Big, you know, um, inflation was going through the roof. The Nixon kind of Watergate had happened. Yep. So they were kind of throwing back to a simpler time when there was a lot more kind Innocence. of... Yeah, it was like Eisenhower and like a, you know, a simpler, easier political landscape. Um, but it's interesting because... 
so many. So the beautiful thing about Greece is so many amazing things happened culturally between the 50s and the 70s. So the Stonewall riots were, you know, through the 60s, I think, an amazing kind of advocacy for gay rights. Okay. Civil rights movement happened and all these things. So what they were almost doing a bit was kind of parodying those, like, 1950s movies that Mm -hmm. were kind of, you know, their world is easy and simple and fun. And that's what we see in some of the adult themes through Greece. Like, that's, you know, you everyone watches this quite young, but when you watch as an adult, you see, like, there's an unplanned pregnancy, you know, there's risk-taking yeah. behaviour, but it's it's really light, a lot of that, you know, yeah. like the guy, people might remember, you know, that when the rival gang comes and threatens them, yep. he's got a water pistol, <clears throat> yep. you know, there's the car chase, there's no real threat. No, like the, the they're bad. going about 40 k's an hour in the car yeah, chase yeah, as well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly, and the bad guy... You know, he still comes to the end of your dance yep. and all that stuff. So it's that kind of innocence that comes through. So there's there's something really culturally significant about that. I'm going to use it to just to describe social skills yep. and how they change through the life course and how we can support kids in it. But there's also this cultural influence it had on us. I also don't know if you know, there's some, you know, it was started as a stage play. Yep. I think Jacobs wrote it and it was in the um, 70s, early 70s, but... Um, do you know how Travolta came to the role? No. So Travolta came to the role because Henry Winkler turned it down. Wow. So, yeah, he said, I don't want to be typecast. He also wasn't a great singer and dancer. So that was why. Travolta could do it in space. Yeah, so Ooh. I much prefer um, Saturday Night Fever. But, you know. It's very real. Yeah, much grittier, much better dancing. Um, anyway. Easy, mate. <laughs> Just we're going to draw a couple of lines Speaking here. of Grease Lightning, is that the most homoerotic oh. <laughs> piece of film that actually exists? There's Have a you? lot going on in there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there is. And do you know that was meant to be on the, in the play? That's Kanicki's song. So Travolta took song? that song, Grease Lightning. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah. Kanick- makes, it makes sense it's Kanicki. Yeah, Kanicki's meant to be the one yeah. who sings that. I've and seen the stage show. Have you? I saw it in Spain on my birthday. You must have been in the aisles. <laughs> well, I, was not in, I was not in the aisles. My sister-in-law took, it, took me to see it in Spain. It was pretty much in Spanish except for the songs. And then there was a little, there was some La Bamba in it as well. From yeah, the, there was a lot thrown in. It was fun. Yeah, really. So, no, it's, it's beautiful culturally and we could talk about yep. the BGs and all that kind of stuff and oh, their yeah. influence on it. But, but yeah, so Travolta came to it. The, the other kind of funny thing about Greece, and we'll talk about it as we go through the age courses, you know, Travolta was 24, Olivia Newton-John was 30. Yeah. Um, Rizzo, I've forgotten the actress's name. Stockard Channing. Yeah, it's 36, I think. Yeah. Like, you know. Yeah. What about, like, the boys as well? So putts and stuff, it's like, they've got, like, five o'clock shadow. <laughs> yeah. It's like they must shave just before the scene. It just pops out. There's so many guys in it who are, like, approaching 40. Yeah, so it's funny, isn't it? Because they're almost throwing back to that kind of, and I don't know about you, growing up you saw these people and you. I think that's one of the reasons that when we became teenagers... You were kind of like, I don't feel like these people yet. <laughs> like, yep. I'm not. And it's because we, we weren't 30. Like, yeah. you know, we, and you kind of, 90210 did this. Yeah, they know, did that. As well as having all these, like, quite old actors yep. that were playing teenagers. So it's really interesting um, from that cultural significance. But we'll talk about kind of, and we've picked a scene that'll be helpful about kind of when social skills fall down a bit. So what are social skills? So, great segue. So what we talk about, a lot of the podcasters talked about emotional development in the setting of what we're, you know, kids who are struggling, how do we build capacity, all of those things. The most important thing through childhood is social and emotional development. So we've talked a lot about emotional development. We're going to talk about the social side of it now. What's the difference? 
So emotions are kind of those internal feelings that we have and, you know, the behaviours that come out are often the things that we struggle with as parents, as educators or whatever, is how do we manage that? And a big part of that is understanding the emotions underneath it. (coughs) Social skills are our relationships that we have and our interactions with everyone. So that's, you know, evolutionary-wise, this is our greatest asset. The reason that humans of a species have done so well is because we've realised that survival and our success in the life's necessities are better done in partnership with others. Okay. Raising better kids. done as a tribe. Tribe, yeah. So we're going to talk about tribes a bit because cool. that's one of the reasons that this is such an innate skill for us is that we have this kind of... Um, ability to connect from a very early age on a social level. Gotcha. Now, what we're going to talk about, we're going to separate out the emotional bit because a lot of social skill development can't happen during emotional dysregulation. And a lot of the time parents come in when kids are dysregulated and say, no, no, you need to share or that's, you know, stop hitting or doing those things. And those are kind of antisocial behaviours, but we don't develop those skills when kids are emotionally dysregulated. What we're going to talk about this episode and the next one is how you do develop those skills when kids are not emotionally dysregulated. You've done that thing to me. What thing? Where you're like, yeah, you really shouldn't be trying to develop (laughs) sharing techniques when they're dysregulated. I'm like, oh, God, I'm thinking back to just yesterday, two occasions where the girls are having a dust-up. And my little one, who's three and a half, or just three actually, yeah, he's not sharing. And we're like, you've got to share and now apologise. That's what I do. Totally. So to give you some positive reinforcement, you actually succeeded in that in your Winslow because you comforted Freddie when she struggled. Mm. You didn't build her skills then, did you? No. You didn't get her up the next level by going, no. you're back in, bad luck. Yeah. Comforted her, you waited until she was had capacity and then you did specific skill development and reinforced it. And it should be the same with everything. It's teaching her how to swim. It's the same as social skill development, sharing, pro-social stuff. We're going to talk about when it's appropriate age-wise or developmental-wise. But that's kind of the key to this stuff is that we build those skills outside of moments that are difficult so that we can then achieve and succeed as kids and parents and families and communities when it's easy and we've got more capacity. So we're going to talk about that. But it is this kind of really beautiful thing that, you know, we've talked about friendship, so I'm going to stay out of that space. That was one of my favourite pairings that we don't get much positive for. Uh, Not many people like that one, but I love the idea of Dumb and Dumber as a movie about friendship. Um, But So we've talked about friendship, we've talked about siblings. What we're going to talk about today is what are the specific skills and when can we build them. Now, to okay. put you on the spot a little Let's bit. Let's do it. When, when do social skills start to develop? Early. <laughs> yep, so how early? Um, I don't want to go to like <laughs> back to, I don't know, as so soon when, as, like, when, is it like the first connection between two people? Is it breastfeeding? Like, is breast, that a yeah, social breastfeeding is a part of it. Like, so look what, up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Looking so that, for social that, cues? Yeah, that look up is part of it. So that kind okay. of social smiling. That's Before early then. reciprocity, social reciprocity. So back nice. and forward, like nice. doing that stuff. And, yeah, so definitely. And Dan Siegel, who I might have already dropped, name dropped, I got to spend some time with, he talks about human connections create neural connections. And that's correct. what we know. Brains are yep. kind of wired to build. Yes. Yeah. I'd like a, correct, Dan. Yeah. No, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like I know, but in my mind I'm just saying, yeah, correct, okay, yeah. <laughs> Um, I'll let him know. <laughs> Nick's got your back. Yeah, um, got you, Dan. But, yeah, so but how do we do that? And the, one of the biggest challenges that we, you know, face as parents and educators and professionals supporting kids 
I've talked about this in other settings, but social skills, it's the same. We're asking something that they're not developmentally capable of yet. So it's important that we go through some life course stuff with this. So you're right, very early on, little babies come out seeking social connection. Now, I'm doing social stuff with Charlie at the moment and what? it's beautiful. Yeah, He's yes. like seven weeks? It's ten, yeah, ten, ten? weeks, but it's yes. Yeah, what yeah. are you doing with him social-wise? So I just I hold his gaze and we'll sit there and you know what? It's You can test this out after a few weeks with the baby. You sit there and do tongue protrusions with them and they will do it back to you. And that's that. what they are doing is watching and learning communication back and forward. Some people talk about kind of serve and return and that's early social skill development that they're seeing is that I'm connecting, I'm 100% connected to this person and we're going back and forward. And this is valuable? It's hugely valuable. Okay. Yeah, so that's their, all of the social communication elements of their brain firing. Now, <sighs> I haven't thought of their little head just like. Everyone talks about neurons connecting. I don't know what that means, but, like, I love the synapses. Yeah, so there's just all this growth, especially the first few years. But it doesn't mean, like, sometimes people hear that and they're like, oh, man, my kid's 15, he's missed all these windows. But I see a lot of kids. Skill gap. Yeah, skill skill gap. gap. Skill gap. It's all skill – it's mainly skill gaps, Billy. Yeah. I don't know if I talked about this kid before because I I reckon it was over a month ago, so maybe I mentioned him. But I saw a kid who's kind of been shifted out of, like, he's had to leave every school he's been in. He's at the last school. And I said to him, like, do you have any mates at school? He's like, no, I just walk around. No one has the guts to look at me because they all know I'll bash him. I don't know if I've mentioned him before. but And then he's like, no, actually, the girls look at me. They always want to look at me. Now, that kid has missed social skill development from when he was like a toddler early primary school. That's he's missed those steps. So what therapists will be working with him on is going back to those stages How and far skilling back? him up. So that's he's missed. We'll talk about it when we get a little bit older. But he's missed really early stages of development. So when we know that's really early, we connect with little babies, we do the back and forth, all that stuff, and that's outside of emotional regulation. We're talking about a different thing. We're not talking about soothing and crying. But speaking of crying, when do you think empathy starts to come through in kids? Jeez, good question. No idea. I can't get my head around it. So before they're one, kids will develop early signs of empathy and you see that because when another kid cries, they cry. How does that fit into what we're talking about here? So that's a social skill is empathy. Empathy is a social skill. Hugely, yeah. Okay. It's a really pro-social skill to understand what is the, you know, experience of someone else and how does that impact on Understand the experience of someone else. Okay. But they don't actually truly have that skill set until mid-primary school. They until just mirror like it. Um, yeah, but it's just like a mirror. Their brain is developing early connections of, and people will see this. One kid, one God, you know, amazing. one kid starts crying, and the other kid starts crying. Now they don't yeah. really understand why, but that's a social connection that's occurring. Yeah, and that's it's like early. It's contagious. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. But the laughter's the same. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, they, laughter they will is the have same. the same thing, and we we still have that as adults. You know what I mean? If someone's losing it, you kind of lose it. If sometimes, even if you haven't really got the joke or something like that, so. It's a beautiful capacity-building thing that happens for us and it actually helps in terms of establishing the depth of connection in relationships. Hey, Billy, question without notice. Mm. Where do parents kind of bugger this up? Where do we what – we, what, what are a couple of things we don't do well in your um, Including me. Yeah, inclu- um, yeah definitely. Everything, everything early on and I would say almost through all of childhood is imitation-based. So they imitate us. They imitate how we socialise and the social skills that we use. Now, there's studies that have done this. There's even studies where they've had, like, toddlers sitting outside of a room with a window 
and the room is full of toys. If you let the toddler roll in there without them seeing anything through the window, they just play with the toys. They did this study where there's someone in there just like throwing the toys around, like punching them, like knocking them down and all that stuff. If they watch that first, they roll into the room and do the same thing. God, they don't okay. play with the toys. So they just, they completely, and they don't really understand why because these are three, four-year-olds. They just roll in there and do that. Now, on a positive note, what we know is from about four or five years of age with kids, if you demonstrate like altruistic actions, so like putting others before yourself as a parent, you will help them transition to doing that themselves. And one of the experiments that does this is kids rolling into the birthday party. They're really excited about it, but someone's tripped and dropped something. Now, the, the chance of that child stopping and helping that person who's dropped something, and which is an altruistic behaviour because they're putting their own desire to be in the party and playing and Jump all that stuff to help someone is based on how much they've viewed and experienced primary caregivers doing those type of things before that. Okay. So Freddie and Ronnie or Evie and Charlie watching, you know, the way that we behave and us doing those pro-social behaviours will influence them doing it in the future. Holding the not, door open for someone. Yeah, holding the door open for someone, sharing, helping someone out, soothing someone who's distressed, all of those things, we, they imitate. So Evie does this at the moment. She Every time Annalise comes back from a run now, she says, how was your run, mummy? She's just, she's just copying me. The funny thing is she'll ask like 10 times. So <laughs> Annalise will be like, yeah, it was great. And then, you know, she's because it's being reinforced, she just keeps doing it over and over again. But she's learning that. Now, she's also falling down at that. Annalise was at a playground yesterday with her. And, you know, the key is what does my child need specific support with? If he's actually doing all right with sharing, because we will talk about how you can do that. But she's doing all right with sharing. She's just really struggling with sticking up for herself a bit. So a lot of the boys classically are just pushing past her on the slide. Now, we've been working on that and, you know, how she, what she can say, what she can do. We practice it. It's in narratives, creative stuff we do, imaginative play, all those things we've talked about. But she, yesterday, she, a couple of boys, you know, similar age, pushed in front of her, but she said, it's my turn, stepped in front of them, and they just pushed her down the slide. And she went down crying her eyes out. Annalise went over and helped her. Now, there's not a big risk in that, but what we need to realise is she's got to have positive experiences of doing that where she succeeds. It can't just be negative ones because if sure. it's just negative ones, she's going to go, that failed, that wasn't nice, and it, will, you know, it, will, it won't reinforce it. She won't do it again. She'll just be like, I'll let them push past. So we play a really big role in their skill development, social skill development? Yeah, really big role. What about their friends? Like do we play the biggest? Is it educators? Like so who has we, the biggest influence? We play the biggest until about 8, 9, 10 years of age. Okay. So what we know that happens then is those peer relationships start to have depth. Yeah. So okay. so we've talked about kind of parallel play. We've talked about yep. kind of early stuff that happens through preschool. Play. Social skills is one of the biggest predictors of how ready someone is to go into primary school. How ready a kid is is not based on how good they are at counting backwards or something like that. Yep. It's where are their social skills at. Okay. Because if you don't have the social skills and you're not able to share, you'll be quickly isolated in primary school because other kids will be like, I don't want to play with Billy. He never shares. He doesn't take turns. He just hits me when he doesn't get what he wants. So recognising that there's from like maybe putting the like, like, I don't know, I'm just making stuff up here. Let's put before two aside 
just yeah. with what I'm about to ask you. So two and above. I think two, or let's say three, whatever, two or three, mm. like when kids can start to verbally communicate a bit. What I want to know is how are there any like telltale signs between that and like a 12-year-old that a kid doesn't have they're, where they're not on benchmark or they're starting to fall at the bottom of where they should be on their skills? Like how yeah. do you recognise it? Yeah, definitely. Is, so, and is there a silver bullet that runs from 2 to 12 that you can be like, oh, this is one of the first things. Is it tantrums? Is it like what? No, is it? so great question. But, yeah, if we stay completely like intentionally as parents and as what we're doing in this episode, we want to stay out of the emotional dysregulation, out of the tantrum and all okay, that so stuff. Okay, so tantrum isn't a social yes, skill. Gotcha. No, so now okay. that's emotional dysregulation. I have a tantrum. As an adult, I'm, I lose my capacity. You know, that happens to me. I can't – I lose the capacity to think of the other person, what their experience is, have empathy, all gotcha. that stuff. If I'm yep. pissed off, I can't do that. Can't so do we can't expect that of the 3-year-old, the 13-year-old. Okay. So what we know is two to three years of age is a big window where they will start to understand and start to share. Now, kids that get to three or four and really struggle with sharing – or don't have any interest in other kids, that's a red flag that we as developmental paediatricians will then start to think about and go, what can we do? How can we enrich environments and yeah. opportunities? And the red, exactly. Just to be clear, like I hear what you're saying then, that I've heard you say that a lot. Like the red flag is, oh, the kid has a skills gap. Mm. It's just a skills gap. It's not wrong with the kid. It's just we've got to like give that kid the skills and the practice, right? Yeah, yeah. And we'll talk the questions. We won't do it this time, but a lot of questions will probably come in about kids that are acting out really angry, kids that, you know, may have autism or something else that means that this stuff is challenging. Um, So we'll talk, we'll we'll park that for next time. But, yes, Tell we me where see you want that. To go. So then we see, and then the other thing finally before we jump up in age, yep. the toddler years are really important for nonverbal social skills like gesturing. So gestures are really important. Gestures and facial expressions, some kids will miss that, and so we need to make sure that we don't lean in just to verbal language as a social skill. So gestures, Annalise is amazing. She does this with Evie. She like will look at magazines and stuff and be like, is that person happy or sad? And that's learning gestures, facial expressions, you know, and kids will learn that as they become two, three, four, they'll start complementing their verbal social skills with gestures, you know, and so that's a really important thing. Instead of, you know, they'll point and say red, they won't say the ball is red. And, you know, so that's a really important kind of language, social skill of how do they adapt and flex up in their use of gestures. Now, primary school is an amazing period for social skills because as parents we become less of an influence but hopefully we've guided them through. If we've failed a little bit at that, it's fine. We can come back and always thinking about we go back to where they're at and build them up. But also when those peer relationships start, we need to give them good scaffolding to flourish. If I've got a kid that's just started school, like many do, yeah. that, what is a question I could ask my teacher, how's my kid going with social skills? Like what would you ask? Is there a deliberate question that the teacher would be like, ah, yes, give me a good question. If I yeah. go to a parent-teacher so interview, first, which I'm about to start doing. Yeah, first few years, how are they playing with others? How do they play with others? Mm. That's all you really care about. Yeah, yeah, just how do they play with others? There's, there's not play? so much of a depth yet. When you get to middle primary school, you want to hear that they've got like special kind of friendships that they have uh-huh. and they have a bit of depth. So what we know in social relationships, and this is tr- through from that middle primary school from about 12, 10 to 12, 
through the rest of our life is we have different levels of depth of social relationships. Okay. And there's skill components to each of them. Let's talk them through just quickly. First one is just someone you randomly meet and you will try and connect with them and share simple, broad, shallow information. What footy team I'm into or whatever. Do you know what I mean? How's your day going? How great's the weather? That's a really important social skill that kids need to learn about asking questions. So asking questions and, you know, Freddie is at this stage where Freddie should be learning and supported to go up to other kids, you know, as she's in late, you know, she's in preschool still, but when she gets to primary school, you want her to have confidence to be able to walk up and say to someone, like, what's your favourite colour or whatever. Do you know what I mean? I love watching them do that. Yeah, it's beautiful, isn't it? I love they sidle up to each other in a playground. Yeah, so that moves out of the egocentric, the whole world is about me, to <laughs> other people have interests. Yeah. So yeah. Freddie's coming out of that now yeah, and nice. she's, you know, you scaffold her to support. What can I do? So you just make sure that she's, you know, helping asking in questions? that. Yeah, asking questions. You have conversations with her that role model it. You imitate it in your relationships. You know, you get to see her role model it. You do, mate, you're amazing at this. You roll down the street like you're a pain in the ass to walk around with the neighbourhood because you know everyone and you talk and you have, you're really good at that small talk. So you want to role model that small talk for them. And, you know, understand that they sometimes have to shift. And mid-primary school, some kids will hit this wall. They stay focused on the topic they want to talk about and they can't shift out of it. Now, what that means is that other kids will be like, I don't want to sit here and just keep talking about Lego for two hours. I want to talk about basketball or I want to shift into another activity. Gotcha. I like it. So you have to support them. Now, the beautiful thing is that from mid-primary school, so from 10, 11, 12, is they start to go deeper. Now, when you go deeper in a social relationship, and this is where you become friends... So it's not just an acquaintance, something you bump in the street. You start to develop patterns about interests and you kind of share stuff about yourself and you go deeper than what's my favourite colour and you go kind of this is the stuff that I'm into, this is what I like, this is how I feel about things. But it's still on quite a shallow level and most friendships stay there. When you become close friends, you share intimate details about yourself, including kind of negative perceptions, thoughts and experiences. Now, kids need to learn to go through the first two steps before they get to that one. So when you've had a lot of time building those skills and reciprocity and skills with people, it's a really important bit that then you get to that part. Does that make sense? Yes. So you step them through it, developmentally appropriate, not age, yet you're good at this. Now I can help, you know, how do you think that person was feeling when that happened? You know, why do you think it's like that? And we can, it, we can help them connect, like, nice qualities and characteristics with those friends once they get to that level. Isn't he a really good helper? You know, isn't he just so much fun to be around? Isn't she really good at looking after others? Yeah, see, what you're doing, what I like is you're asking questions, even though those last ones were, like, in, like had a heavy inference on it. It's mm. like I like that you ask questions. Like, that's the approach because... I'll be honest, like, I'm probably like many parents, you're like, God, that's, God, they're a good person. Like, I'd just be like, you know, they're so good or, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm just trying to, I just think I like the way you're like asking questions yeah, yeah. about it. Yeah, so we don't to like, want to direct them towards beliefs yeah, about I'd other be people. Dire- I'd be directing. I would be. Yeah. In the moment, sometimes, I can, you know, you hit that spot where you ask the right question and they can communicate, but I'd be like, I'd otherwise be like, you know, it's really important what they're doing. Yeah. So I'm sort of telling, not showing. 
Yeah, or yeah, but showing's the key, but showing's showing with the them and supporting and scaffolding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, I like that. Questions. There's, there's yeah. a beautiful bit of how you go to deeper, close friendships, which Whoa. is like the final level. Go. And not to make me sound like I'm some hero, but I did this in clinic yesterday. So, and what it is is self-disclosure. We talked about it a little bit in the friendship what bit, but can you remember what self-disclosure no, is? Where I thought it was, wouldn't that have been the sharing of the intimate details? Mm. So you're a bit vulnerable and you will share something that's, you know, has that kind of a bit of risk in sharing it, you know, and some kids will share this immediately with someone they've met and that can be challenging. You can probably think of maybe previous relationships you've had where yeah. you, you overshare. got it. Yeah, you overshare or you get into it a bit too quickly and it feels uncomfortable and you're just like, oh, man, I blew that. Um, and that's that self-disclosure is really important and I... I saw one of my favourite kids yesterday who, you know, didn't want to come into the room. He's tucked up in a ball in the waiting room, like really distressed, heaps of trauma, heaps of anxiety, mid-primary school. So he's right in this pocket. And, you know, this mum is phenomenal. She's experienced such a hard time herself. She's doing such a great job. And this gorgeous little kid, I got him in the room by saying, like, how about you come sit in my chair and, like, um, show me some stuff on the computer? And then we just did 10 minutes of this. I never knew about it, actually, but this amazing free online video games platform oh, nice. on the internet. So we just did 10 minutes of, like, connecting over that yeah. and just helping him regulate back down. And he was sweet. And then his mum really wanted to show me that um, one of the ways that his stress comes out is that he pulls his hair out. He's got a beanie on because he feels really uncomfortable about it. And this gorgeous kid just wasn't comfortable doing it. But I use self-disclosure. So um, I just said, mate, I have a problem with my hair as well. And I, I get really, really bad psoriasis. And I showed him and he, like, looked at it and I was like, yeah, this gets way worse when I'm stressed and all this stuff. And I was like, does that happen with you as well? And then he showed me. He was comfortable to show me because he felt safe. But there was a, a self-disclosure component of it. And it's one of those really intimate parts of friendships that you and I do. I will sh- I've shared stuff with you that I haven't shared with anyone else. And that builds and reinforces the depth of our connection. Yep. But kids need to be learn to know when that's safe, when they can do it, how to also respond when other kids self-disclose to them and share intimate details and kind of, you know, it's outside of that emotional dysregulation bit most of the time. You know, I'm often sharing those things with you when both of us are calm, but it's just, I, you know, it's that trust and it's a really important part of mid-primary school that they go through because it gotcha. makes people feel comfortable and it reinforces connections that we have with them. So I'm, you know, I've got a closer connection with that kid now because of that. And it was, you know, that's just an example of how we can kind of do that in our relationships with kids. How do we help them feel comfortable and learn how to do that? Because sometimes they'll self-disclose too soon. Sometimes they never, you know, can do that. They really struggle with that depth. So they often have, I've got 100 friends, they don't have a best friend. So the sign of someone oversharing early on, like, an intimate detail. <sighs> what does it mean? Yeah. It can mean lots of different things. Sometimes it can mean trauma, but a lot of the times, it, you know, it's just that they haven't kind of developed that yet. And so sometimes, you know, the kid that just, like, tells everyone something that they shouldn't, it can just be, you know, sometimes it's because they're too young to understand that and they'll just be like... I mean, Daddy did, you know, said this last night and to a stranger and your parents are like, oh, my God, I didn't want them to know that. But so, but it's more about how do we scaffold that those abilities and they're just some specific ones from like gesturing, empathy, sharing early on to primary school. It starts to get more about depth and social connection and then it's a deeper level of empathy 
that those pro-social skills are really important and those pro-social skills are one of the best predictors of success in adult life actually is how pro-social you are and how caring and giving. And I think sometimes in the community people are like, no, I want my child to stick up for themselves and be tough and, you know, put themselves before anyone else because everyone else is just going to walk all over you. But they're actually, that that is not what the evidence shows us. It really being sharing and caring and having empathy are the things that reinforce your, you know, safety net of the relationships you have around you. Because what you and I are learning about this for is because most of the time we're not going to be there. We can be on the playground when Evie gets pushed down the slide. When she's a teenager, we can't be there. You know, I'm not going to – I'll be lucky if I hear about it. You know, I'm going to try and do everything I can to hear about it when she falls down. But I've got to build her skills now. Yeah. You know, so, yeah, it's a really important bit. How are we going? Let's go. Yeah, so let's go to the scene. We're early on. So very – I mean, you should probably be setting where this is. So what's what's happened so far? Well, they're at the pep rally. We're at the Rydell pep rally. Um, Sandy is – Danny and Sandy, the two main characters, have a summer fling and they're thought to not see each other ever again. Sandy's gone back to Australia. Mm. But somehow Sandy and her family end up staying and somehow end up at the same high school at Rydell High with uh, with Danny Zuko and they're being reunited after um, Sandy lets go the name of who her lover was to um, Riz. Rizzo. Riz only on takes... this, yeah, so I didn't realise but on this watch that Rizzo and Zuko had a history. Yeah. So she's, um, she's takes, a bit annoyed about it. Yeah, takes the opportunity to uh, bring the two back together because mm. I think she expects something will happen and... Here's the scene. I'll leave it at that. So they're at the pep rally for the uh, Rydell High football team. Uh, hey, Zuko, I got a surprise for you. Oh, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> Sandy! Teddy? What are, you, what are you doing here? I, I, I thought you were going back to Australia. We had a change of plan. Okay. Well, that's cool, baby. I mean, you know how it is, rocking and rolling and whatnot. Danny? <laughs> that's my name. Don't wear it out. What's the matter with you? <laughs> What's the matter with me, baby? What's the matter with you? <laughs> yeah. What happened to the Danny Zuko I met at the beach? Well, I do not know. I mean, maybe, uh, <laughs> maybe there's two of us, right? <laughs> why, why, why don't you take out a missing persons ad or, or, or try the yellow pages? I don't know. <laughs> You're a fake and a phony, and I wish I'd never laid eyes on you. Whoa. Whoa. I wonder if she Tough carries broad. silver bullets. Yeah. <laughs> Whoa. So she laid her eyes I'm on you, eh, Zuko? <laughs> hey, I bet that's not all she's laid on him. Hey, Zuko, I got a car, remember? Come on, Danny. All right. We've got beer money. Well, I swipe my brother's ID. We've got 250. All right. Give me this. 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 All right, you right in front of me. He was so nice to me this summer. Listen, Sandy, men are rats. Listen to me. They're, they're fleas on rats. Worse than that, there are amoebas on fleas on rats. I mean, they are too low for even the dogs to bite. The only man a girl can depend on is her daddy. You know what you need? What? A night out with the girls. Having a sleepover in my house tonight. Wanna come? Good. You love. Come on. So tell me. What do you think about that scene in the context of social skills? If you think about some of the characters, 
Um, worlds collide mm. a bit for Danny particularly. Um, so, yeah, what transition happens for Danny? Well, Danny goes from being a really nice, genuine guy to coming back. He's got an image to uphold, mm. so he's trying to be cool and, like, the ladies love Danny and yeah. he was probably quite nice and sweet to Sandy in isolation, but when brought in front of the pink ladies and the Thunderbirds, he's like, no, nah, I'm a cool guy and I'm too cool for you now. Um, that's kind of... So that's about the only bit of this movie that's like developmentally fits with where they're meant to be at because in late teenage years is a normal social development skill window where the group will matter more than individuals and being a part of the group. Oh. So he sees her, remembers it, and, you know, the emotional bit kicks in. It's Sandy. He gets a recognition because I think Kaniki looks at him and makes a face and he goes my social need and, you know, developmental window means that my connection with this individual is trumped by the social group. It's a really challenging window through adolescence because um, individual relationships are threatened by that need of adolescence to have social connections and be a part of a big group. So we need to help them develop skills. Danny needs someone to help him have skills in recognising that individual relationships are important and how does he navigate that when the pressures of being a part of a group come in. Now, who does it well? Who does it well? Mm, in through the whole movie. Who do you think would be my favourite character in Greece? Frenchie. Yeah, Frenchie. Frenchie's lovely. She's awesome, She's so isn't sweet. she? And she that's was the she... girl at the end there, by the way, who's comforting Sandy. Yeah. Sandy. And she does it a few times through this movie, doesn't she? She kind of, Frenchie's really great because she comes in and she's, and Frenchie's got really good self-esteem, you know, the, what is it, the high school dropout. Beauty school dropout. Beauty school dropout and all that stuff. But, you know, you still see all the strengths of of, um, Frenchie. And so Frenchie is comforting. Frenchie is demonstrating in the second half of that clip a classic pro-social behaviour of she's not emotionally dysregulated but she's supporting another individual, another teenager who is struggling with that. And that's a really, she's the person I'm the least worried about in all of this. Now, Rizzo is a bit antisocial as well. She has no sympathy or empathy for the situation she's putting Sandy into. And so, you you know, you worry a little bit about her. She's the classic because she's the only rebel. She's the only actual rebel in this movie. Mm. The kind of, you know, um, the T-birds are all kind of paper tigers. But she's someone who actually is risk-taking and pushing boundaries. But she she needs some support to understand, you know, the feelings of others and the perspectives of what Sandy might have felt like mm. when she was kind of set up for that. So that's a bit of an antisocial behaviour as well. Mm. Hers is a bit more worrying than Danny's because his is just reactive. Rizzo's the one to be most concerned about because she's always going about, there's worse things I could do. Like she's got a bad reputation. Yeah. She's like, it's not that bad. I could be doing much worse and she's aware of it. Yeah. Well, she says this about Sandy. She's too pure to be pink, doesn't yeah. she? Like, so, you know, she's that kind of archetypal rebellious mm. teen that's kind of coming in and risk-taking and all that stuff. Yeah. yeah, yeah, which was kind of cool that it wasn't like the Danny character. Um, the person I'm the most worried about in Greece is actually <laughs> Sandy at the end. I'm worried about Danny and Sandy and it's like, oh, you just have to change yeah, for a boy. Yeah, I'm yeah. like, oh, God. God, it was funny watching it with Annalise because when she comes out in those leather pants, Annalise is like, how did she get into them? And it's really funny because you actually have to be sewn into them. Oh. So they, they are, yeah. And there's a, there's a funny thing, I don't know if it was the 70s or they were actually mocking the 50s about it around body image in this. 
And that's a big part of like our social perception and, and how we see ourselves is the cultural context that's around us. And the, the one character who they like make fun of for being fat is probably in better shape than I am. I've forgotten her name, one of the pink ladies who does the teeth brushing thing, you know, with the pigtails. Fran. Yeah. Jan, sorry. Yeah, That's yeah. Right. They make kind of fun of her. They are. Yeah. We commented at the end, Henry and I were watching, we're like, they are all tiny. So obviously when Sandy comes out, she's in like the spray-on leather pants. But then they're all tiny. Stockard Channing's got like, Rizzo's got like the, the shorts, the high shorts thing. And it's like they're... I don't know, it's like a 70s physique or something. Like, they're just so skinny. Yeah, and that's a bit of social pressure that's, you know, was probably a big part of the times. We're getting much better with that. But, we, do, yeah, that's the problem, isn't it, that what's actually happened, which is what we're worried about with adolescence, is that Sandy has changed. You know, she's seen that the way to succeed and be a part of this group and to connect with this guy is to change. Yeah. And we need to make sure that we give social skills to kids so that they can interact and engage and maintain the relationships they want to, but they don't have to change to fit in. Yeah, and exactly. Danny does the exact same thing. Mm. He um, he led us in aths. So he's running. Well, yeah, that's what Greece, some of the theory is that Greece is a flip on the kind of the... Um, bad boy that was reined in by the wholesome girl. Taming of the show. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So to flip on that, and there's also the theory that, like, which is crazy, that um, the car flies off at the end because it's all like a coma dream and all that kind of stuff. And Sandy has finally kind of, you know, gone through her innocence and come out the other side of it. And but it is a challenge. Like, I'll I'll find a better movie. Maybe when our kids are a bit older to do the talk about um, the yeah. birds and the bees. Yeah. Because so you'll struggle to find a better movie. You'll find a movie that's more appropriate. But yeah, leave it at that. But but right. it is. It's that that's the beautiful thing about Greece is that it shows that kind of adolescent window. Yep. But a lot of these characters are actually struggling with social skills that we should guide our kids through at a much younger age. So, what questions do you expect people might ask if we can sort of prime them? Not direct them, but they'll ask whatever the hell they want to ask. They always do. That's what we let you do here on this podcast and we'll answer them in part two. Yeah, but I mean, if we don't get one about sharing, I'll be amazed. We'll yeah. probably get heaps, so we'll talk to that. Yeah. Um, and um, I guess, you know, when do we worry yeah. certain scenarios, what's a realistic expectation of certain ages, like social skills and kids that are isolated. We can talk about all of those things. Yeah. So lots of different things, but please... We got probably one of the best questions we've ever had a day after we recorded the reflection episode. Um, I've still got to get back to some emails, but please send them in before we um, re-record. So um, when you send them in and also send in, like often some of the best stuff we get is other people in this space sending in suggestions and helpful stuff. Yeah. Yeah, and you're doing tremendously well to get back the people you get back to. I'm going to stick up for Billy here when it's... Dozens, if not hundreds, in a fortnight of emails, yeah. notes, and questions. Just let's no, cut. but it's amazing because that's the most it's powerful great. bit about what well, we do is, is what people is. send in. So nothing, we, nothing goes we, unread. We love it. Everything gets read and often discussed, but it's sometimes coming back to people is really difficult, Billy. So cut yourself <laughs> Thanks, mate, some slack. Very good social skill and that you're demonstrating. I'm just saying, and it's going to be, we're going to put it in the preview of the episode as well. I'm just preparing for that. <laughs> guys, part two is where you guys get to ask all your questions and we will come back to you. So please send through any questions you have around social skills and kids. Billy will definitely read it and will most likely answer all of them in the next episode <laughs> as we do. But look out on the socials for the questions as well. Um, but Billy, 
love this episode, love this movie, and uh, I look forward to speaking to you in part two. Sweet. Thanks, Nick. Judgment, we trust you.